Grew up in a little house of eight kids. Nobody prepared me for how life is. But I learned a lot of prayers. Dad thought God was all there was. And we knew when we broke his heart, we'd quickly be the wayward members of the bad, bad family. Bad family. Bad family. A podcast about black sheep, bad kids, bad family. Let's get started. Hey, Coco. Hey, how's it going? I'm pretty good. Um, it's just yeah. you and me. That's fine. I'm just getting my day going right now, pretty much. Getting your what on? Getting my day going. Oh, yeah. I forget that it's it's earlier for you than it is for me. Hey, Lindsay. Hello. How's it going? Oh, it's going okay. How are you? I'm doing okay. It's uh, another week, another weekend. <laughs> um, I, I was just doing our chores, doing our laundry, trying to get the week in order. How about you guys? How's your weekend going? Um, yesterday was nice. I went on a long bike ride with Haley. Um, oh, that's nice. How long is long? Um, I want to say five miles. <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> long day. I don't bike ride very often. Um, I biked yesterday as well. Uh, it was one of my girlfriend's birthdays, and so we hung out in a park together, and the park is just a mile away, so maybe I biked two miles, maybe a little more, because I, I stopped and just kind of biked around the neighborhood for a while as well, but I just love riding my bike. Yeah, it's fun. We did it in the morning, so it was a good way to wake up, too. Yeah, I agree. Um, well... Um, I heard back from Jamie, her sister Jamie, and she's going to be able to join us to record next week. Cool. Oh, nice. So I think that'll be fun. I'm excited about the idea of eventually, you know, having all of our siblings join. That'll be pretty cool. I think we've hit most of them, Um, except for, like, after Jamie, it'd be Sarah and Tua. Yes, Tua and Sarah. Um, but then that's the whole kit and caboodle. So I thought maybe for the tell us apart <laughs> segment this week, this is a little bit um, intensive or maybe more involved. But I thought since last week we were talking about um, Mormonism and how leaving Mormonism makes one really have to think and redefine their values. So I thought it would be fun if we talk about what our values are, what we perceive our values to be. We're not even perceive what we have identified as our values today. Um, and I emailed you both like a list of values. So if you don't know off the top of your head <laughs> what you think your values are and needed some like guidance, I emailed you like a list of like 200. Oh my gosh. Personal values or core values, but um, 
Oh yeah, you're right. Here we are. I have gone to, I had to do this once at a corporate retreat. Um, not a corporate retreat at some kind of seminar, leadership seminar or corporate something, but I thought it was so illuminating and helpful to think about. So when I was doing this in a work-related context, they were talking about corporate values and how it's not only incredibly helpful to um, know your corporate values, but to rank them because our values guide our behavior. And so they gave this example of Walt Disney World, of how at Disney, their number one value is safety and their number two value is friendliness because even though they want all of their people at Disney World to be friendly and to be helpful and you know to reach out to the people visiting if they hear someone screaming they want them to run toward the screaming (laughs) so they've like identified and ranked their values with safety first and I've never forgotten that and so for myself um you know, in looking at this like long list of personal values, um, I identified and I know what my top three values are. Um, and one thing to, to think about while you guys are looking up, you know, over this like massive list of values or before you, you know, think about, you know, what your own values are, something that I was told is that when you're thinking about values or your values or something that you have sacrificed for you know not only that you resonate with you or you really believe in but you would make sacrifices for these values because they're a core part of who you are so i'll just tell you what mine are my top three values um, are number one kindness number two hard work and number three creativity and those are those are the top three that I think, you know, resonate the most with me and that I do feel like I have sacrificed for. Do you want us to give you three, our top three as well? Um, it doesn't have to be three if you, if you have more, <laughs> but I just, I just, I just happen to know list. my top three. <laughs> uh, this list is funny. The first word my eye was drawn to was ferocious, ferocious. <laughs> which doesn't seem like a value to me. But... Alpha male jackhammer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a colleague and I know that one of her values is justice, which I really like. Mm. Um, but here's another corporate example. And I only know corporate examples because I've never talked to friends, you know, about their values. I've only talked to like in a corporate setting, you know, coworkers or peers about their their personal values, identifying their personal values, um, you know, in a work context, but largely also, you know, thinking about corporate stuff. Anyway, another story uh, related to that is there was this uh, woman who was giving me this seminar on values. And she was saying that um, she had been working and she was an attorney and there was a giant case and it was incredibly hectic. And she told everyone on the team that they needed to work late, you know, to plan to be there until 9 p.m. And there was a younger associate 
who said, you know, I'm happy to work on this later, but I had already scheduled a yoga class and I would like to leave at, you know, 545 or whatever to make my yoga class and then pick this up after. And she said she lost her goddamn mind. She like flipped out (laughs) and started screaming at this, you know, person on the team, uh, you know, about whatever. (laughs) And then later she said she felt really bad about that, that she felt like, um, she didn't know this, you know, younger associate, it could have been that her top value was, you know, fitness, or maybe even her top value was like fun, but she was trying to have balance and prioritize what worked for her in her life. And she wasn't saying that she wouldn't, you know, contribute or, or help, you know, the team with the case or whatever that they were doing, but she was, she was trying to live her life according to her own values. And I thought that was really interesting to think about as well, that the one, I wish I could remember this woman's name who gave this seminar. Um, if I, if I find out, I'll mention it later, but this woman said that the one negative thing or one potentially negative thing about, um, identifying your own values is that, Um, It can make you unsympathetic to people whose values you don't share, who have the opposite values that you have. So it's important to, you know, to keep that in mind. Hmm. Can I have yours again, Coco? Uh, Mine are kindness is my number one. Um, Kindness is incredibly important to me. I feel like both, you know, have, you know, wanting to be treated with kindness (laughs) from others. But I also feel like from my own background or how we were raised, you know, like the idea of being kind and thoughtful and charitable to others and just nice. I don't even always like the word nice because I feel like there have been points in my life where I'm just too nice it's too nice. (laughs) But uh, kindness is one of my core values. It's my like number one value that I hope to, you know, in every action be, be moving with some thoughtfulness around being kind, whatever the circumstances. And then my number two value is hard work, uh, which I think has a lot to do with mom and dad, actually, who are such hard workers, I feel like the value of hard work and effort and grit and, you know, just let your shoulder to the wheel that I feel like that kind of rugged determination has gotten me through a lot of things. Um, so that's my number two value. And then my third value is creativity because my mind is always, you know, seeking more. I'm always wanting to create and use that part of myself Um, And I rank it number three, because even though it is probably one of the most important to me, I have a really hard time being actionable with creativity. So that's the one I'm always working on. Uh Are you guys seeing any values on this list that really resonate with you? And for anyone listening, if you want to do this yourself, all you have to, you know, just Google like list of values. The first like Mm. dozen links are all just lists of values by people who probably want you to like pay for their 
um, you know, <laughs> like mentoring service about, you know, identifying your values. Right. I think my three from this list are empathy, honesty, and dependability. Ooh, why don't you talk to us about why and why you ranked them in that way? Sure. Um, I think that empathy is probably something that I value the most because I think it's important to try to understand where people are coming from so that you can like care about people outside of yourself. Um, and honesty, I value because I just think it is very valuable and it's <laughs> <laughs> sorry if that's kind of shallow, but I I've experienced like a handful of situations where people have been dishonest and I know just like how much easier and simpler things would have been if they had been honest. I agree. Also, I think trust is incredibly important, not only in relationships and in families, but in people getting along. And things going smoothly. Something I know from work, I'm sorry I'm always bringing it back to corporate settings, but um, I work like the majority of my day. So like the majority of my adult life has all been work, work and sleep. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in kind of a downer mood, I guess. Um, But related to honesty and trust, I know that when you're in a toxic work culture, the number one way to fix that toxic culture is trust. You have to build trust. You have to like start from the bottom and build trust mm-hmm. among the team. And trust is what changes changes toxicity in a culture. And if people feel like they trust you and they can be honest with you, they'll be like more motivated to work with you. You know. Yeah, and you know whatever was toxic before it can be healed with trust. What's your third um, one again, Link? Dependability. Um, again, from like a work standpoint, I think my something I value a lot is just dependability. If I ask you to do something or if something is asked of me, I don't think that there should be any like question of whether or not they're going to do it and do it well. Um, I don't really mind like what time of day you're doing it or when's best for you as long as um, whatever needs to be done gets done by the time it should be. Interesting. I think that's a really, really good one. Being dependable. Because everybody's different and everybody like works on their own time at their own pace. But it's also like there's like, like threads of loyalty tied up in that and you know if someone's gonna say say that they're gonna do something you want them to do it and be true to their word and i'm not always the best at that actually i'm just remembering that i promised our cousin dana that i would read 
a rough draft yeah, of the book I, that she wrote, and I didn't do it. Before she sent that to us, and I was like, oh. I didn't get this book draft. I forgot to do that. Oh, I need to do that as well. I'm not awesome at that. I do keep my word in that, um, for the most part, if I say that I'm going to do something, I always will, which is why I'm careful what I say yes to. For example, when I was still going to church, I was the, I was a relief society teacher, which is like the women's meeting. And every week that I was scheduled to teach, I would show up. I would be there at church. Any week where I wasn't my calling, I would not be there. I would not show up, but I would always show up. Because that's why they gave you that job. Yeah, because I was dependable, I would always be there to teach my lesson. And when they released me from that calling, that's when the last time probably that I went to church. (laughs) But it was just like wanting to be dependable, wanting to be able to be to be relied on. So that one resonates with me a lot too, Lincoln. That was a cool choice. What do you got, Lindsay? <sighs> this list is too many. <laughs> it's too long. Pick a I think... couple. Okay, my first one. I will choose curiosity because I think I really value intellectual curiosity in other people. Um, like I just can't hang out with somebody who doesn't like to learn new things. Um, that would bug me. Or who's like. Yeah. Well, yeah. So curiosity, number one. Actually, this is in no particular order, but just the first one. Uh, I would also say um, I don't know. Some of these all are kind of similar, like compassion, empathy, kindness. Those all embody kind of the same idea to me. With the caveat that with kindness, like, I think people often misinterpret or, like, dilute uh, the meaning of kindness to mean, like, not rocking the boat or, like, you know, keeping things smooth to protect the status quo, which is not the kind of kindness or niceness that I'm interested in. Um so that and then thirdly uh, I'm gonna say uh, liberty well (laughs) (laughs) winning I'm gonna say well I don't think this is on the list but like um like I'm trying to think of how to put this into words uh like personal integrity I guess and not in the sense that you like never tell a white lie or anything like that but uh like staying true to yourself regardless of I guess this, I'm thinking of this in terms of like having made the sacrifice to like leave the church and 
create strain and family relationships that that was obviously a value to me to not you know make a hypocrite of myself by continuing to pretend to practice something that I didn't believe in anymore so being true to yourself yeah okay. I think that's a good one so now try and rank them if your three are curiosity kindness and personal integrity how would you rank them um kindness one personal integrity two curiosity three good list i mean it honestly doesn't surprise me that we have the same number one value and that lincoln's we have the same number one value of kindness and that lincoln's number one value was empathy i feel like that is no surprise at all to me just because of the kind of family we grew up in you know where like thoughtfulness was really really important Um, and also the kind of you know larger than family because of the mormon church we grew up in (laughs) where i feel like that is uh like family love kindness uh charity I i think community would be my honorable mention in terms of like you know, as opposed to like individualism as represented by like people refusing to wear a mask. Like, sorry, that's on my mind right now. I'm just so bugged by how many people refuse to wear masks, even though it, it is such a tiny sacrifice and it benefits the community. So, I Concrete. I get that. Um, I thought of this cartoon idea the other day. I don't make cartoons, as you know, but I thought of this like New Yorker style cartoon idea where there's three people sitting in an airplane row and the oxygen masks have fallen overhead. And then there's like a Karen in the middle with her arms crossed and she's saying, nobody can make me. It's a great idea. I'm going to draw Yeah, it. you should draw it. Please do draw it and send it to me. Because it's just so funny because, like, the mask is meant to save your life. I guess it's not funny once I explain it. Everybody gets it. But, but see, <laughs> see how the oxygen can save her life and she won't put it on? <laughs> yeah, I guess I just don't understand why people are placing more value on, like, um... I don't get freedom of speech, like the right someone has to not wear a mask if they don't want to over protecting people's lives. Um, I honestly, I don't know. I think actually a lot of these cuckoo crazies who won't wear masks are like, Uh, actually, I have no backup for why I think this. Maybe they're not. But I was going to say I thought they were like crazy QAnon people. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's that far off. I think they've been radicalized to think. First of all, I don't think that they trust that wearing the mask would help, which is like a failure of our education system and a failure of, um, I don't know, like... Of the community getting the community to believe experts uh, and also I think it's because they prioritize their personal quote unquote freedoms over other people's lives 
Yeah, well, I, I think it's like just like disbelief in in federal government and I don't know. Now that I think about it, I don't think it is like a freedom of speech infringement because they can say whatever they want, just like wear the fucking mask first. Oh no, it's not a freedom of you mean they think that wearing a mask is infringing on their freedom of speech? I feel like I read that somewhere. Or just freedom of expression. Yeah, I'm sure people are making an argument, but they don't obviously don't understand what freedom of speech protects. Yeah. Which is again a failure of our education system. Well, if there's an executive order from a governor saying you have to wear a mask, then it's against the law to not wear a mask. I saw right. a little bit ago that Georgia's governor actually forced the state to not be able to um, make wearing masks mandates. Um, and he like attacked the mayor of Atlanta because the mayor of Atlanta tried to put a mandate in place to make people wear masks. wonder how that's working out for Georgia. <laughs> too great. Uh, yeah, well... I think we all realize that with the failure of a strong, um, you know, White House right now, with the failure of a coordinated federal response, you know, asking all states to wear masks, it's left to a local level and it's become very, very political. And I almost feel like some Republican governors, perhaps even if it would be, you know, it's political. I'm just saying it's political. If they issue something about wearing masks, that could affect their standing with President Trump and the Republican Party. Yeah, you're right. So there's lots of layers of nuance. But um, one of the governors, uh, Oklahoma, I don't remember which one, just uh, reported that he got coronavirus and was like attending lots of Trump rallies without masks, (laughs) indoor (laughs) events. So that is what it is. Well, on a slightly happier note, um, I thought today for, you know, the heart of it, we would talk about the idea of good trouble. So what that is, is I, I've been really moved this week or in the past couple of days reading about the life of John Lewis who recently passed away, who was an incredible civil rights activist, but also um, a congressman. Um, And he popularized this idea of good trouble. Like he got in a lot of trouble and was arrested many times related to his work in civil rights. Um, But he thought that there was this notion of like good trouble, like the doing what had to be done, even when it wasn't always... (laughs) easy you know saying things like when you see something that is not right not just not fair you have a moral obligation to say something and to do something um and i just thought that that was incredibly moving you know that his entire life he worked for civil rights and change and action and it wasn't just you know getting beaten and on Bloody Sunday in Selma, and it wasn't just getting beaten as one of the, um, I forget what they were called, bus riders, you know, freedom riders riders down in the South. 
um, who were attacked by segregationists. But even more recently, like a few years ago, when the Trump administration had the separation policy where the children were taken from the parents um, trying to come into our country, he was adamantly against it and speaking out about how um, it was unjust and we had a moral obligation and a duty to act and that he was willing to go to prison and to go down to the border. And and I just feel like that consistency um, and that, well, I just guess, I don't know what I'm saying. I was just very, very impressed by him mm-hmm. that it wasn't easy, but he just like constantly and consistently devoted his life to what he believed in. Um, and this part really moved me in his obituary in the New York Times. Um, it's talking about how when Obama was president that he gave John Lewis the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Um, and then in the speech at the ceremony, Obama said, generations from now, when parents teach their children what is meant by courage, the story of John Lewis will come to mind. An American who knew that change could not wait for some other person or some other time whose life is a lesson in the fierce urgency of now. So I just thought that part was really beautiful as well. Not only the notion of good trouble, I guess, but also about the fierce urgency of now. And like what our what our own lives can be. I think that's really pretty. Yeah, I guess I've been thinking about this so much because I'm figuring out uh, my own life, I guess. I don't know how you guys have been doing this week, but I've been talking to a lot of friends about how this week it just feels very draining (laughs) in terms of like the timeline of coronavirus and how it's been four months since I've almost constantly (laughs) been inside and it's just feeling like this is like the indefinite future and so I'm feeling very worn down about that but also um I feel like maybe I'm even like it's it's early, <laughs> but I feel like a little bit I'm like midlife crisising too. I'm like mm-hmm. I worked really hard and I got this good job and I like my job, but also do I want to do this the rest of my life and and what is like my purpose or what I what should I be working for instead? So. Um, I don't know. It just really resonated me, this idea of the fierce urgency of now or taking the time to consider what we want and what we should be doing. And um, obviously, I think we should all be getting into some good trouble trying to trying to make the world what we want it to be and figure out what causes we personally feel strongly about and want to work for. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know, the last week for me has felt kind of hard as well. I'm not, part of it is probably coronavirus, but for some reason this week just felt heavier. And I I told you all earlier that I am planning on working for most of the day. And part of that is because 
I feel like I need to catch up on work that I wasn't able to finish this past week just because I felt so tired. But yeah, yeah, it's like pretty wearying. Um, how about you, Lindsay? Were you feeling anything like that this week, or has it just been? Has it felt normal? Um, I mean. Not normal, but I think the week before this past week was harder for me than this week. Um, you know, because of some interpersonal, <laughs> you know, friendship, relationship things. But uh, yeah, I definitely have been feeling the effects of not uh being able to go outside really i mean we can go outside but not being able to go anywhere because la is kind of shutting down again oh yeah because california is a hot spot (laughs) yeah because people weren't you know (laughs) people weren't really distancing the first time um yeah this week was crazy actually for as far as work goes you mean crazy busy or something happened um two people on our team got fired oh (laughs) not nothing related to um i don't money it was i mean like corona i think so yeah i don't think that it was corona related layoffs but i'm not sure like one of the upper management people got on the on a call with us like right after they fired them and and let us know and he was like really uh adamant about being like don't worry like it's not about money and it's not about like downsizing and none of you guys have to be worried because we all still want to like develop you and whatever it was just like their roles as they existed no longer like exist in the company yeah so basically, they were just restructured so, them out. Kind of, yeah. But it wasn't very clear why. Did well, it there's not a lot of transparency. <laughs> and I, I don't know. Uh, it was very sudden. Like, it didn't seem like they had any sort of performance review where they were made aware that they were not, you know, doing their jobs satisfactorily. But... Uh, well, I feel bad for them. I mean, I being in management myself, I think having a lack of transparency is not good. <laughs> I think you should yeah, always be. There's obviously sometimes things you can't say, but like from the top down, you should try to be as absolutely transparent as you can be, in my humble opinion. And number two, I feel bad for those former colleagues of yours because it's a bad time to be looking for a job. <laughs> yeah I actually think that much like 2008 2009 great recession times that a lot of people are going to be going back to school you know be going to law school or business school or getting masters or you know whatever they are have been wanting to do during this time Mm -hmm. because it's kind of not only now in pandemic is a challenging time to find a job with so many out of work but 
most likely if we continue in a recession like we are now, it's going to be a hard couple of years. The economy is probably going to have shrunk in the next few years while we try to get things moving again. So it's going to be hard to find a job for the next while, I would think. I guess my yeah. for those people who have been laid off and are now thinking about going back to school is like, how are they going to pay for it? And what is the value of the education that they're going to get? Like, Right. Especially right now when it's all online. Yeah. Oh, I hadn't even thought about that, but that's always a major consideration. Um, I feel like when you're young, you often don't think about how long it's going to take you to pay off your student loans, but it can take you decades. <laughs> oh, yeah. Congrats, by the way. Oh, thank you. Those aren't your student loans, but still. Yes. Um, I paid off. I got out of credit card debt this week, so I was very, very pleased about that. I still have my student loan. I'm trying to work down, but um, it feels great. It feels great to be credit card debt free. Yay. It feels anticlimactic, actually. Like I've been <laughs> working toward it for so long, you know, just like chipping away that I yeah. thought I would feel something extraordinary like free, you know. <laughs> but it just was like another day. <laughs> just like, all right, next next thing <laughs> next goal to work on yeah but that probably has to do with the uh, you know the state of being in isolation all the time yeah. like it's kind of hard to it would be nice if you could celebrate with like a party or something yeah, I thought so too. Well, I always said when I always used to make this joke that when I finally got out of debt, I would just throw a huge party to get back into debt. <laughs> 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 like a party to rival all parties. Um, but in exactly right in this time, there's really nothing you can do but meet friends in the park. And even then, I'm not positive how safe I think that it is. Obviously, I feel safe outdoors. Like it's much less likely to to spread outdoors than indoors but I also feel yeah. like you're not always wearing a mask even if you're like picnicking and sitting apart there are times when you're like eating or drinking or chatting you know you're just not always wearing a mask I really don't know I think it's pretty safe but I'm going to put the safety at like between 75 to 85 percent and not 100 oh yeah well maybe a little higher but still I think on windy days, you're probably, or, you know, if as long as there's, like, a light breeze, it's safer than if it's, uh, you know, just totally still air, but. Yeah, but there's no, you know, no partying, so I guess uh, hopefully the war will have a vaccine and the world will look a little different so that when I finally paid off my student loan I can do something to celebrate I'm just not even going to count this year I'm going to turn 28 again next year. <laughs> yeah why not I forgot you're turning why 29 next month that's a good birthday yeah I'm I'm excited about it I'm, 
I guess. <laughs> I really enjoyed my 30s. Um, but, I mean, man, live your 20s while you can. Enjoy. <laughs> Enjoy <laughs> this last year of having, like, an excellent body that bounces back. <laughs> oh, do I have that? <laughs> I, I was have- 25. I'm turning 25 this year. Yay! In a couple months. I like 25. I thought 25 was awesome. 28 has been kind of a butthead, but <laughs> 25 was great. All right. Sweet. Um, I think my 25 was fine. My 26 was really shitty, but my 26, I mean, but my 25 was good. Were you still married at 25? Yep. 26. 25 I was. 26 was like the year our marriage broke down. Yeah. So that was not a good year for me. But that doesn't mean it won't for you, Link. Yeah. Well, we're, we're having very different 25s, each of us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> like, my 25, I was living... <laughs> I mean, I was making almost no money, but I was living with, like, a bunch of friends uh, in a kind of dingy but fun apartment and, like, going out a fair amount and just having a fairly good time. Was that in Los Angeles still? Yeah. Yeah, Lincoln, you're in a committed relationship. Yep, I'm living with my partner in a teeny little apartment in San Francisco. Um, I make decent money. I like my job most of the time. Um... I think generally we're doing pretty good, although I am still figuring out, like, what next steps for me are right now. What does that mean? Um, I guess in my career, mainly. Mm. Like, I don't really know where I'm going. It's okay to not know. Yeah. I think it's good to be figuring it out. I still don't know. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of people figure it out as they go along. Like, that's been me a lot of the way to where I am. Yeah. I just don't... I think one of my values is that I'm not going to build my life around my job. Because mm. <laughs> I just... It's just never going to be the most important thing to me, like, how I make money. Yeah. I think that's the balance. Um, yeah. I feel like I built quite a few years of my life around career and just like working 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 the idea being that I just wanted like safety and security like I didn't want to be always living paycheck to paycheck always worried always like a little bit stressed out you know like swiping your card and being like please bless I did the math right and we have the $65 (laughs) for these grocery trees you know so I I've definitely been there. So, you know, I just, I didn't want to do that anymore. I wanted to work really hard to get in like a better financial situation. The idea being then from that point, it could be a launching point to, you know, the things I wanted to do in my life, whether that be like writing or painting or whatever it is. And now I feel like a, in a, to some small degree, I'm just starting to see that door, you know, like, yeah, what's next, like, what, 
identifying what I really value and value so much that I put the two things that prove what you really value into it, which are time and money. Like what you spend your time on and what you spend your money on are the clearest indicators of what we value. So I'm figuring it out for myself, but um, I guess we didn't have that much to talk about <laughs> related to good trouble, but related to, oh, I mean, well, related to like the fierce urgency. I have of, heard of it before. What'd you say? I said, I've thought about it before. Like that was kind of before I moved out here when I was still living at home with mom and dad. That was something that I was thinking about a lot. Um, and not just in the sense, because obviously he meant good trouble in the sense of, um, or for him, I guess, it meant like standing up for justice. And uh, and obviously like that's maybe the most important interpretation of that that phrase. But I also think that good trouble can just mean like making the right kind of mistake and not being afraid to make mistakes and that was kind of a big impetus for me moving out and kind of coming out here by the seat of my pants and trying to figure stuff out on my own which has been difficult but also uh kind of a um character making (laughs) I think that's a nice way to look at it I always actually think that we shouldn't get too comfortable that we grow as people through challenge and through adversity and that you know if you're ever faced with an opportunity to do something that scares you you should do it which is I mean that's why I moved to New York because the idea of leaving my friends and my support group uh, terrified me (laughs) I mean in a way I kind of wanted to to try New York you know the big city and see if it would work for me and see what it would be like but I was so scared to do it and I think when you're scared of something you should try it for personal growth and you can always pivot you know if it wasn't right if it ended up not being for me I could have always you know gone back to Boston but um who who could have known do you know what I mean who could have known unless you yeah. try you have to take opportunities oh and the saddest thing was that when I left for New York from Boston there were like at least 15 people who were older co-workers who said to me like wow like you're so brave like I wished when I was young I had you know, done something like that, like moved to a new city or like, like they were just like so excited for me because it sounded really fun, even though it was scary, you know, like I felt like they were, I feel like they were excited for me, but passing on like some small window into the regrets in their own life. And I was like, uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that comes from like, the longer you're, or I, I don't know, the older you get the more you feel like you can't make these big changes because you can't it's hard it's hard when you you, like put down too many roots it's not even roots but when you have a partner and you have kids and it affects their your partner's work and where your kids go to school and their communities and you know if they're in sports or they're you know 
piano teachers or whatever you know education they have going it's just so many factors which is not to say you can't shift on a dime but it's a lot harder Mm -hmm. when you're young and you're only really impacting your personal future so I do like that idea of good trouble though like being true to yourself and like a Miss Frizzle get messy make mistakes kind of (laughs) take risks figure it out yeah I like that notion I feel like um, while our grandma, Jamie, was certainly not a troublemaker (laughs) or an agitator, I feel like she had that spunky personality, you know, that was like, I'm going to say what I want. And in her mind, like, good trouble was like proselytizing and trying to convert everyone to Mormonism. (laughs) But she was like, (laughs) she was going to say whatever she wanted and do whatever she wanted. But I also, you know what, I respect grandma too, because she was very much like putting her money where her mouth was and not just spouting, you know, not just trying to get people to convert for the sake of it, but also like taking people in and sheltering them and, you know, giving people support. That's the kind of like integrity (laughs) that I'm talking about, or like, you know, I don't agree with a lot of parts of the church but the people who actually will like put the uh the christ-like values into their life then you know i have to respect that yeah i mean i think that was not only our grandma but also our parents yeah that they really are true blue and their money is where their mouth is and they are constantly feeding people and helping people and mowing their yards and driving them to you know wherever (laughs) yeah i think when it comes to like helping other people mom and dad are some of the most selfless people that i know oh absolutely selfless yeah very very selfless good people Well, I like that idea of good trouble. I also like the idea of um, regularly thinking about the fierce urgency of now so that we don't get too comfortable. Like in my own, I'm very much type A, a list maker, always trying to figure out like next steps or um, there have been multiple times in my life where I've even tried to like make a checklist of like things that I would do in my day to meet my long-term goals I don't have it in front of me but like I once like tried to categorize (laughs) all of my goals into buckets and it was like I would do I had like five categories and I would do like one thing a day for like physical health or like um like intellectual curiosity or like there were like four other things and I would do like three out of five a day or three it was just like it's too much. It's too much sometimes, but I think that it can be really That's helpful. Like, have you ever tried bullet journaling? I've never oh. even heard of that. Oh. Just when you journal, <laughs> but in like bullet format. 
not exactly because it's not journaling the way you and I would do it where it would be like and this I went to a party and I had a vodka cranberry and this is how I felt so it would be like bullet point party bullet point vodka cranberry (laughs) bullet point happy bullet point hungover (laughs) right I I think you probably could figure out a way to format bullet journaling for that where it would be like how I felt what I did but basically it's uh it's a way of organizing your schedule and your time and your ideas. But the way people do it, I mean, if you, if you type it into like Pinterest, you'll see all these different examples of people breaking down their calendars and daily and weekly planners. And I've tried to do it, but it's so hard for me to like granularize to to break everything down into like its component parts and uh i just always give up after like a couple of days interesting well i think i was quite successful i guess it's easy for me to compartmentalize (laughs) or granularize frustrated i just feel like even like tracking my time for work, sometimes I'm like, this feels like such a waste of time. I could just be doing it instead of like, I don't know. It's it's like flossing. It's one of those things where you have to do it, but I find it. And at this point, I'm like, I do it now because it's part of like, I've built it into my routine, but it's, ugh, it's a chore. <laughs> I, I kind of do it with my... um I keep like a sticky note of stuff that I have to do on my work computer and I'll break up that sticky note into here are all the major tasks I have to do. Here are all the subtasks that go into that task. And then I'll like organize them into stuff I have to do right now, stuff I can do tomorrow, stuff later this week. Oh, I have a visual task board. So it's like, it would be the equivalent if you had a bunch of sticky notes like arranged in columns on your wall. It's like that, but digitally. And for me, it's like to do, you know, in process, done. Oh, you have a Kanban board. Kanban? What is that? Yeah. Um, it's a type of project management um, where basically you separate tasks into three boards where it's like not started, in progress, done. Uh, so exactly like what you said um and that's how you track your progress and all of these different things yeah i didn't know what that was called the program i use is part of service now it's called visual task board but i have like a top projects board and then everything is separated into columns and then i also have swim lanes which like allows you to further segment not just by columns but kind of like by it's like almost like adding a row elements so I have like future to do section, you know, like what I'm working on, middle time period section. And then I have like a, this is what Courtney is doing today <laughs> Interesting section. And I have it public for both my bosses and all of my um, teams. So that the idea for me was that it was like top, top down and bottom up communication. So if anyone wanted to see what I was doing very granularly <laughs> at all times or what's on the agenda, if it's not on the board, I've forgotten about it. So you need to raise it with me again. Mm-hmm. So, yes. But what I meant was related to the fierce urgency of now. I think it's really 
uh, critical that we check in with ourselves on some regular period, whether that's like quarterly or you want to, you know, talk to yourself weekly or whatever it is, but just like think about where we are and what we want and if we're moving in that direction. Kind of like what Megan was saying last week that she didn't really know what she wanted, so it was hard to move toward that. I feel like checking in with yourself, identifying what you want and where you are so you can pivot as necessary so you don't get too far along in your life not heading toward where you want to be. Mm -hmm. Makes me think of, um, have you all read The Alchemist? No. No. It's a really good book by uh, Paolo Coelho, I think is how it's called. Um, But one of the major themes in that book is like, you must always know what it is that you want. But I don't. I know. So <laughs> well, it's good. It's a good time to try and write down things that you want. Because it may help give you a clearer picture. I did that once. I wrote down like hundreds of things that I wanted. <laughs> like what? You know, like I was like farm sink, subway tile, uh, you know, like family, you like big kitchen table you know just like things like that and then by writing everything out um trying to get a clearer picture of like what I really value or like what is important to me and how to work toward it um I would like to do it again it's been a while since I did that just figuring out what I really what I really value and what I where I'm going but Um, Something to feel good about is that we're not alone in the unknowing. I think many, many people feel kind of confused about their lives or where they are or what they want next. And it's easy to start feeling kind of stuck, especially in these corona times. So it's a positive exercise. Not only, I think, for gratitude, you know, like being appreciating what we already have, um, but thinking about maybe things that are missing that you could easily begin to begin to incorporate to make yourself happier or more in line with your, your personal values. All right. I think, I think I'm going to call that a wrap. I think that's a wrap folks. (laughs) Uh, Anything else you guys want to say related to values or John Lewis's good trouble or the idea of the urgency of now. Um, you rethinking your values, Lincoln? Well, no, I was like looking at that list of values that we sent. Um, I know I gave my three, which were um, empathy, honesty, and dependability. But I was trying to think, like, what are the worst three values on <laughs> this list? And so, oh yeah, I know wait, let's choose those. Two power control and toughness (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah yes please Lindsay. you tell me what you think the worst are i'll look at the list yeah hold on i'm trying to pull up the list again (laughs) (laughs) you say what the i said power control and toughness those are my anti-three. Toughness. Um, I'm going to put 
wealth as number one, status as number two, <laughs> and certainty as number three. <laughs> Wait, it won't open. <laughs> My internet's being so stupid. All right, I guess Hold you're going to have to come up out of your mind what you think the three worst values. Oh, no, 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 wait. Oh, reload. Okay, wait. Oh, come on. It's, it won't let me look at the values. Well, just uh, come up with three out of your mind. I'm going to say, okay, the worst values um, are patriotism. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I genuinely do do think that actually. Oh, uh, I'm fine with patriotism as long as it's not uh nationalism, meaning that you have like a personal I think, I think worldview. I think people who would have patriotism as their one of their top values, it usually means nationalism. Or you know, I also feel like it's people like who it's have people served in the military, it. you know, and they feel some kind of like pride and love of country i just don't want to make it all negative i think it can be positive most people who serve in the military do not serve because of pride and love of country i feel like it's generally for the benefits and because like they want to get an education or they had nowhere else to go maybe it may be the case i just disagree that patriotism is always negative i'm gonna say now I'm looking at the at the list. I think <laughs> winning <laughs> winning is probably not the greatest value. And genius, I think it's dangerous to uh, value quote unquote genius. Does Winning genius. Oh, and patriotism. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I, I really tested you. Know, you in the it. jingoistic <laughs> sense. In the jingoistic sense where they actually have no, you know, knowledge or awareness of our country's history. Yeah. Um, well, that was fun to pick ones that I guess are our least. <laughs> Do not align with our own core values, although um, I'm sure that probably we could meet people who truly those were their three values who probably um, were good people, but different, different from us. Um, Before we close, one that I'm really, one value here on this list that I'm laughing about is surprise. If surprise was I love that. I think it's a great I think that's really your number one value though like talk to me about what kind of person you are you just like love the like whimsicalness or the like surprise me what do I want oh what entree do I want surprise me (laughs) what power (laughs) shot do I want in my jamba it's more about like not not being predictable like mixing it up keeping things fresh in that sense I can see how somebody would be like yeah surprise is one of my one of my key values or what isn't there some there was some shoot I think either on one of on one of Phoebe Waller-Bridge's shows 
there's a character with a line like the sexiest thing or the most romantic thing somebody can do is surprise you i guess it's nice to be surprised if you like surprises but what if that what if what if you're someone who loves surprises and you want to surprise someone, but your partner's number one value is like traditionalness and like it, they really do not or like schedule schedule is their number one value. <laughs> uh, order order their like values are like traditionalness schedule and order. <laughs> Time opposites attract clearly, but there it's going to be a little bit of a learning curve as they get to understand one another's values <laughs> uh, all right well I think this is a fun conversation for friends families co-workers loved ones I think it's just I think we learn more about one another as we identify each other's values and especially learn more about ourselves so anyway I love you guys I hope you have a great week love you too Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Smell you later.